In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank God today we're going to start a new series uh, in the meeting uh, called Diabolic Wars. Um, maybe some of you are familiar with this book. Um, you know, His Holiness Pope Shenouda, he uh, wrote many, many, many useful books. And a lot of his books are based on lectures that he had given. Um, and uh, they were taken, uh, like transcripts of these lectures, and they were put into the books. Um, this is a, a book that's actually part of a, a two-part series. Um, the, the, other, the other book of this series is called Spiritual Warfare. But, but this book, Diabolic Wars, is, is the same kind of topic, um, which is how is it that the devil fights against us? Okay? And when we learn more about it, we can see and detect the wars and the way that he tempts us so that when the temptations come, we're able to um, we're able to stand against them. So the book is made up of five chapters. The first one is the nature of the diabolic wars. Um, the second is the uh, attributes of the devil in his wars. The third, the intrigues of the devil. Fourth, how to overcome diabolic wars. And the fifth is the benefits of the diabolic wars. So we're going to speak um, a little bit about this. So what is the nature of the diabolic wars? So the spiritual wars are allowed by God for our benefit. And this is um, something that maybe uh, is sounds contradictory or, um, you know, why is it that God would allow that the children whom he loves to be tempted by the enemy so that they would fall? Seems like something that is counterintuitive. Um, but actually, in order for us to grow in faith, to grow toward God, there has to be something that we are pushing against. Just like, for instance, when someone goes to, to work out, um, there has to be some kind of weight that you are lifting. And if you are not lifting any weight, then you are not gaining anything. You are not actually benefiting from the exercise that you're making. You're not building muscle and so on. So, so the, the, the God allowing the devil to tempt us, but not beyond what we can bear. He tempts us. Um, of course, the devil does it to destroy us, but God allows him so that we can grow in faith um, and, and endurance. The diabolic wars are against all people. So there isn't anyone that is exempted from temptation. Um, you know, some people say that the people who maybe go and become monastics and they go and live in monasteries and convents away from all of the temptations that are in the world wouldn't be tempted. But actually, this is not true. The temptation comes in the temptations of the mind that the thoughts become a source of temptation for those people. Even if they, can't, if they can't sin with their eyes or their ears, but they sin in their mind. And one of the biggest temptations that comes upon monastics is the sin of pride. The idea that um, th these people have chosen to leave the world, have chosen to leave everything behind, um, are, are living their life consecrated to God, and this maybe can make one feel kind of puffed up and proud of oneself for what he has done. This is one of the common temptations that come upon the monastics. So the diabolic wars are, are wars that are waged against all people, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of experience, of age, regardless of anything, regardless of vocation. We are all fought with various kinds of battles. Now, uh, maybe the battles that we fight, there are some that are in common. We all kind of share the same kind of battle. But there are some battles that are very specific to certain people. You know, one person has a very, like an area of weakness that's like a very, um, you know, like a very common area where they are tempted and easily fall. Um, other people have maybe a different area of weakness. You know, maybe one person is tempted very much by alcohol and and becoming drunk whereas for another person they have no interest in it at all but they have a weakness in some other area 
So, so even though um, we might be tempted in different ways and have weaknesses in different areas, but it is still the devil behind it that is tempting us. Um, the diabolic wars are directed. Uh, so one of the one of the myths is that um, the diabolic wars are directed only at beginners or sinners, right? So maybe only people who are just starting out or people who are far from God. No, actually, the the temptations actually increase as a person gets closer and closer to God. Because if in some sense, you you become on God on the devil's radar more because you are excelling, and once you begin to excel, the devil wants to cut you down. And so those people actually who draw closer to God, maybe they are actually experiencing a greater temptation than um, those who are still uh, beginning. We know actually that the devil tempted the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So, of course, the Lord was perfect, but the Lord was the pinnacle of holiness. And yet even he, the devil, sought to tempt him. Another very important characteristic of the devil and the nature of the spiritual warfare is that the devil does not get desperate regardless of how strong the person whom he fights is. You know, as human beings, we're very quick to give up. You know, like maybe I do something, uh, I'm trying to succeed in something, and I fail. And so I become discouraged quickly, and I don't want to try again. Uh, I don't want to make an effort again. I don't want to get up and try and do more and work harder. Maybe I'm discouraged, right? This is uh, a common experience that we have as human beings that we find that it is difficult to re rebound from failure and to try again and we give up easily the devil is not like this at all the devil will continue to try with full effort with full force with full resources regardless of the number of times that he has failed all the way to the very last moment of our life okay there was uh, there's a story of one of the saints saint macarius the great and it said about him that after his spirit left his body and it was ascending up to heaven before it even reached the paradise that the devils were still trying to tempt him even at that moment and they kept saying to him you have you know you have achieved heaven you have gained paradise you have salvation and saint macarius's response was not yet i haven't entered it yet right lest he fall into pride about what is it that he had done or to stop fighting against the temptation of the enemy no he actually waited until he actually entered and then he told him now i have entered right so the idea is, is that the devil never gives up to the very last breath he never gives up and he never grows weary of fighting against us and so this is one thing we have to keep in mind that if we are not also diligent and careful and alert then he will very easily overcome us because his resources are great and his persistence is great. Um, another thing to be aware of with the diabolic wars is that the diabolic wars are aimed against God himself. Because who are we in the big picture to the devil? What value do we really have to him one way or the other? Why does he even want to fight against us? It is not because we are so um, important. He fights against us because he, f he wants to fight against God. How is it that you fight against someone who is um, omnipotent and eternal and, and cannot be overcome? How is it that you fight against someone like that? What is it that the devil could do to God to harm him in any kind of way? It is impossible for the devil to harm God in any way. So what he does is, is he comes to those whom God loves, who is us, and he begins to disturb us and he, he makes us want to turn away from our father so that we no longer have a connection or relationship with God and in this way he is able to harm God 
indirectly. Just like a person, for instance, who wants to harm a very rich and wealthy person and is unable to touch them because they have so much security and they have so much resources, so what they try to do is kidnap their children, right? This is a, a way by which they can harm this person, right, indirectly. And this is what the devil is doing to us because, again, we have no value to him. He, he is not, he's not seeking to destroy us. He's seeking to destroy God or he's seeking to harm God and is against God. Um, spiritual wars are continuous, right? But they, they, they may vary, but they never end. So we spoke about the persistence of the devil. We are constantly being fought all the time with various kinds of spiritual wars. And this war may become more severe during certain times, during holy times. Um, it's a famous verse in uh, the book of Sirach, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, my son, if you come to serve your God, be ready for all temptations. Right? Like if, if, if a person chooses to walk in the path of God, then actually the temptations on this person will increase. So this is why we find, for instance, whenever we make a commitment, so you know what? I want to read the Bible more. I want to pray more. I want to forgive my enemies. Uh, there's a, a person who I've been holding a grudge against for a long time and I want to forgive them. The moment we begin to do some positive thing, we find that the temptations increase, that laziness increases, that something unrelated maybe happens to me to get me to be distracted. So I, so I do not continue down this path that I have chosen. And so this is a, a war. Also, the devil envies um, only those who are successful in their spiritual work. Meaning, if a person is uh, successful spiritually, if a person is advancing spiritually, these are the people who will be attacked the most, right? Because he, the devil is envying them for, for what they are achieving, um, as opposed to maybe someone who is living a life in wickedness, someone who is living a life away from God, not really pr progressing or advancing. The devil doesn't need to do much for that person. He's already where the, he wants him to be. He's not really going to try to pursue him or do much. It's only those people who are beginning to advance, beginning to increase, beginning to learn, beginning to grow. Those are the people who will be attacked the most. So here, um, His Holiness Pope Shinoda, he mentions three kinds of spiritual wars. Okay, One kind is where the person... Uh, where the devil fights the person directly. Okay, the devil is fighting with the person directly, uh, a direct fight against him. A second type of war is where the person is fought by his own desires, where the devil uses our own inner corruption. Meaning, I have a desire inside of myself, maybe that is a sinful desire, and so the devil offers to me, what is it that I desire? He offers it, what is it that I want? And because he knows that I want it, I very easily go after it and I fall into sin. A third kind of spiritual war is the person who is fought by false brethren, by wicked people, or by evil surroundings. So the circumstances. So maybe the devil uses the wickedness or the sins or the poor choices of other people that then they harm me. And this is indirectly a war that is coming uh, through the devil, but it is not a direct one. It is coming through other people or through other circumstances. Another type of war that he mentions is the trial. Okay? And so he makes a distinction between the trials and the temptations. What is the difference between trial and temptation? He says the temptation is both internal and external. Okay, the war enters into the desires. So a temptation is, it's not just something that is attacking me on the outside, something that is external to me, but it is something that enters into my heart and makes me desire to do evil. 
Okay, this is the temptation. Whereas the trial is external only, while the inner self remains pure, fighting against the external trial. Right, so let's say, for instance, um, uh, and of course they're related, they're very related, but let's say an example of a trial is, you know, um, uh, a person very close to me dies, for instance. This is a trial, right? It's something, it's a very difficult experience for me to go to, go through, and I have to try to maintain my peace and maintain my faith in God um, throughout this trial, okay? But it can turn into a temptation in the sense of, let's say, a person who is in trying to cope with such uh, an experience that they then become alcoholic or they become a drug user or they fall into all kinds of sin or they, 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 they abandon God altogether. So it has become now a temptation to commit sin, to deal with the trial that had been given to me. Okay, So he, again, he makes this distinction. The trial is more of something external that is happening that I'm now having to cope with, whereas the temptation is something that enters into my heart um, and, 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 and maybe makes me fall into sin. Okay. He also says that God may sometimes allow that the saints be defeated temporarily for their own benefit. Sometimes we feel, when we feel our own weakness because we fall, this actually can help us, right? Can help me turn to God, can help me realize that I am in need, can help me make me feel like I am not sufficient in myself because I am unable to cope with some of the challenges that I'm having in my life. A person who always conquers may be fought with pride. St. Paul experienced this himself when he had a physical ailment in his body and he asked God three times to remove it and God said no. And he responded and said, or God told him, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Meaning, when you experience this physical ailment, when you are hurt because of it, it will make you feel weak and this weakness actually will allow my strength to work in you. Because now, instead of relying on yourself, you will rely on me. And so, if this can happen to St. Paul, Right? And, and the reason that this happened was because St. Paul was given a vision of heaven. And he saw like all these glorious things in heaven. And so St. Paul said, because so that I do not fall into pride because of all that I had seen and that because all that God allowed me to see, God gave me this weakness in my flesh so that I would not be puffed up. This is what St. Paul says. And every time he asked God to remove it, God said no. He said, he said, this is for your benefit, okay? So sometimes God allows us to go through different trials or temptations and even to fall so that we do not fall into pride. Thus, God sometimes permits that saints be conquered to humble them and to grow in compassion toward others. This is the other side of it, is that when I experience my own weakness, I know how to comfort others, how to com have compassion on others, how to forgive others, how not to judge others, but if all I know in myself is strength, if all I know is every decision I make is right, every temptation I'm able to overcome, every challenge I'm able to deal with, I never fall, well, imagine what we would become if that's who we were. We would not be able to relate to weakness. We would not be relate to the weaknesses of other people or deal with them in a, in a, in a, in a kind or compassionate way. He also speaks about God's assistance in the spiritual wars. Okay? He says, in our wars, we must cleave to the Lord for help, meaning we cannot fight against the devil directly because the devil is stronger than us. We as human beings cannot fight the devil directly. He is stronger than us. We fight him by asking God to fight on our behalf. Okay? The Lord has given us power to support us against the wars of the devil. 
Thus, we do not get troubled by the diabolic wars as long as the hand of the Lord is with us during them. This is why the seeking like um, strength in God, investing in our spiritual life, uh, seeking God on a daily basis, this is how we overcome sin. You know, I've seen many, many, many examples of this. Someone who is struggling maybe with a chronic habitual sin that they're falling to over and over and over, and no amount of techniques, no amount of willpower, no amount of effort causes them any kind of long-term advancement or lo long-term like being able to overcome the sin. But when they begin to pray daily, when they begin to pray regularly, and to pray like with, with earnestness, then we find that the sin just dissolves away. Because God is the one who works in this person in order to change them, in order to make them to grow. And this is true for all of us. If we want to overcome sin, if we want to have peace in our life, we seek it in God. We don't seek it by just trying harder or trying to do more or trying to be clever in the way that we solve things, right? Of course, we do our human effort, but our human effort alone without the presence of God working and seeking solutions from God will not um, will not uh, will not work. God does not repel diabolic wars for us, but gives us victory over them. Meaning God will not prevent the war. And actually, the Desert Fathers, they always spoke about how we should not pray that God would remove our passions from us, but that God would give us strength to overcome the, the wars themselves. Meaning God does not say, I will prevent you from ever experiencing temptation. No, this is not for our good. But I will give you strength to overcome the temptation when it comes to overcome the war against you when it comes. To experience the war is actually to our benefit, and this is why God allows us to experience it. So what are the devil's attributes in his war? Okay. The first is, is that he is an unceasing fighter, okay? The devil fights everyone, okay? And he, he fights us to the end. As we mentioned before, he doesn't stop. Even if he fails, he doesn't stop. He keeps going and going and going and going. So he's, his fight is unceasing. Also, he is very powerful. Think about what is it that, that the devil was actually able to accomplish, right? God created the world in perfection. Right? He created it in perfection. And, and in the book of Genesis, when we read about the creation, every step of the way, when God created it, he said it was good. And when he created mankind, he said it was very good. And he created all of the paradise for us to enjoy that would meet all of the needs of humanity. So that in the Garden of Eden, every single one of our needs were, were met. Emotional needs, physical needs, relational needs, spiritual needs. There wasn't any suffering of any type in paradise whether physical or emotional, psychological, none, right? Everything was perfect for us. But through the temptation of the devil, what is it that he was able to accomplish? He was able to accomplish the complete destruction and corruption of the perfection of the world that God had made. This, this world, God is the one who fashioned it himself for us. And yet, what is it the devil accomplished to completely derail all this world that God had set up as a perfect place for us, he turned it into, well, he turned it through our actions into the world that we see today, okay? So how big, uh, uh, like how powerful is he to be able to do such a thing, okay? Now, this is not the end of the story, of course, 
the Lord is restoring us to himself and restoring us to a place of perfection just as he intended from the beginning. So it's not that the devil has the final victory. No, God actually has the final victory. But look at still what he was able to perform and what is he was able to do. So he is very powerful. How do we stand up against such a being? Again, without the power of God working on our side. He is experienced in fighting and knows our nature, meaning he knows what it is that we need to fall. He watches us. He observes us. He understands the human being. He knows how is it that we think, what is it that we desire, what is it that we want, and he's able to offer it to us in a way that is appealing and in a way that to get us to, um, to, to submit, right? You know, and, and, and maybe for some people he can just offer sin as it is and people will accept. Maybe for other people, we say, no, 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 I don't want to go after sin. So he packages the sin in a way, and we'll talk about this later, packages the sin in a way that looks like a virtue, packages it in a way that looks like it is a good thing, something that we would desire, right? And we go after it. So he has experience. He knows how to fight against us. Also, he is very intelligent and resourceful. And actually, we read about him in Genesis 3. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, right? We see his intelligence, in the way that he deals with things and his resources he has legions of demons with him that he then can command to tempt all of the people right all of the people that we are being attacked he's not even alone in this and if you if you look at his kingdom and the lord jesus christ alluded to this when people accused him of casting out demons by the power of the demons he said to him, if a kingdom divided is divided against itself, it cannot stand. And so if Satan is divided against Satan, his kingdom cannot stand. So what does it mean? It means that the kingdom of Satan is not divided. You know, our earthly kingdoms are divided. Our country is divided. Even our self is divided. But when it comes to Satan, there is no division. He is 100% committed and united, him and all of his armies of demons, to destroying humanity and, and fighting against God. There is no distraction there is no diversion, you know? The devil doesn't go on vacation. He is not busy with other things. He doesn't have other things that consume his time, but this is his singular focus to destroy us, okay? So he is very resourceful. He is very persistent. So again, if, if he is such powerful, intelligent, observant, persistent, resourceful, completely committed, right? How is it that we stand against such a being? You know, how is, it, how is it that we, as weak human beings made of dust, could stand against this spiritual being who was the most powerful of the angels whom God created? He was the most powerful of all of the angels before he was corrupted and he turned against God. So, so his essence is power, right? His essence is power and he is clever. There is no way that I can then fight against him. There, there is no way that I am strong enough or clever enough to fight against him. This is why often when we are tempted and we begin to negotiate with sin, and we begin to negotiate with the temptation, and we begin to say to ourselves, well, you know what? I can do this act without falling into sin. I'm going to be strong enough to take from this what I like and what I want without falling because uh, I'm strong enough. I'm clever enough. It's fool. We, we are fools in thinking so because who is it that we're fighting against? We're fighting against the one far more powerful, far more clever than us, and far more experienced because he has experienced tempting every single human being. You know, maybe for me, my experience is just with myself. 
what I have experienced, what I think that I know and understand. Whereas the devil has every single human being that he's tested every type of method of temptation on, and he knows exactly what makes people to fall, and he engineers it perfectly so that we fall. Okay? So, so there is no way apart from the power of God to stand against him. Also, he is a liar. In John chapter 8, 44, it, the Lord says about him, he is a, the father of it, meaning all lies are through him. That whenever there is deceit, deception, lies, fraud, these things have their source in him because he is the source of lies. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ said about himself that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So he is truth. So the opposite of truth is lies and deception. Who is the devil? Because he has no part of the truth. The only time the devil says the truth is when it is a part of a larger lie. When there is, when there is a, um, a good reason for him to be truthful, to get us to be entrapped. You know, he tells us a few truths at a small level so that we trust him. And then he tells us the big lie, which then causes us to have a big fall. The devil can lie through false prophets and false teachers, false teachings. You know, so many times now I read, like when I'm reading the news, people are like, they have like a situation in their life, like some, some difficult situation, and they want to know how to deal with it. And so what they do is they post it on the internet and they see what is it that people respond and tell them what is the right thing to do. I can't imagine like the worst way to make any decision is by letting the whole internet tell you what is it is the right thing to be done, right? Because there is there is no standard. Like there, the, what is the decision-making process of random strangers that are on the internet, the mob of people who are just going to say whatever, right? So this is also you can consider it to be false teaching, right? Where is the source of where I go to to help advise me, to guide me, to give me instruction? It is just the world. It is just like the spirit that is in the world. Um, also, the devil can lie to us through dreams and visions. A lot of times people will have some kind of dream and they will place such emphasis on this dream and what does it mean? And what is, you know, what the should the dream, like God is giving me instructions. God is telling me something in the dream. Or something that happened in my dream also happened in reality. So that means that it's real. Actually, the devil, much more often than not, the dreams that we have or these kinds of things um, are actually coming from him. And again, they're designed to deceive us. They're not designed to tell us the truth. Um, He is persistent, okay? We spoke about his persistence. He never gets desperate no matter how much he fails. He is the accuser, which means what? He is always accusing us of being sinful, which is a paradox because he is the one who got us to sin, right? He gets us to sin by temptation, and then after we sin, he accuses us of the sin, and he says, how is it that the Lord could forgive you of such a sin that you committed against him? The, your repentance will not be accepted, right? If you think of this analogy like, okay, imagine that you have like a gang, okay, a gang of bad guys, all right? And these bad guys, you're joining this gang, um, that, that, and they're telling you that you need to commit certain crimes. After you go commit a crime that they said you should go commit, what is their reaction to you? What are they going to say about you? What are they going to say? 
Well, the, the gang is not, the gang wants you to do bad, right? So they're going to say, good job. Like you did what we wanted you to do. You committed the crimes we wanted you to do. You're actually going to be having a higher rank in this gang because you committed, because you committed this crime. So after you do the evil, you're going to come back to this group of people and they're going to be like, you know, thankful to you. They're going to be telling you you did great. But this is not what the devil does. The devil, after you commit the sin that he prompted you to do, that he tempted you to do, when you go back to him, he says, how could you do that? You know, like that was, like how is it that you could do that? And now because you did this, there is no way you could have salvation. God is going to completely reject you because now you are a sinner and you committed this sin. There is no way you can even consider that God would forgive you. This is what happened to Judas, right? Who is it that tempted him to betray the Lord Jesus Christ? It was the devil. Who is it that tempted him to commit suicide afterward because he believed he couldn't be forgiven? It was also the devil. The same one was behind both temptations, right? So he is the accuser. In Revelations 12.10, it says about him that he is the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night. Imagine that he is the one who stands before God constantly accusing all of the saints, constantly accusing all of the believers, telling God that he should condemn us all because we are sinners, right? This is how much we are in need and rely on the mercy of God because without his mercy... We are sinners. Without his mercy, we, we don't deserve salvation, right? But it is only because of him that we have salvation. He is the accuser. He wants us to fall into perdition. He wants us to be accused. He wants us to, to fall and not get up again. And so he comes and he attacks us with these thoughts that there's no point in even trying to repent or change. You've done this sin a thousand times. You know, you think you can actually change. You think that God is still going to forgive you after all these many times that you've committed sin. So... He is the accuser. This is a good stopping point. Um, next time, we'll continue with some other characteristics um, of the devil and also some of the methods, the means by which the devil tempts us. Are there any questions before we conclude? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O God, for this day. We thank you, O Lord, for your mercy and kindness. We thank you for exposing the devil, the enemy, O Lord, of all of humanity, and the enemy of good. You expose him, O Lord, so that we see that, that he is there tempting us, and you also expose that he has no power before you. We ask you, O Lord, to open yourself to us and to make yourself accessible to us, and that we would come to you, O Lord, and seek strength that we would receive from you, O Lord, the strength to be able to wage war against him. We ask you to forgive us our sins and to help us to grow stronger and stronger day by day and to remember and to be aware of your presence at all times. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.